Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. Look at this, cloud is cool again. Yeah, it took us a pandemic to get there, but just as cloud seemed to become a little blase, maybe even cooling off a bit, the transformation is back in full force. Companies that had been slow rolling, kind of the whole digital transformation thing, have now found themselves in somewhat of a desperation mode, frankly, as remote work and cloud solutions become mandatory uh, instead of optional. Hello, my name is Gary Bixler, Vice President of Member Communities at CompTIA, and I'm excited to be your host for the CompTIA BizTech podcast series. Each of our podcasts are brought to you by one of our CompTIA member communities from around the world. If you want to be involved in one of those communities but are not already an official member, uh, we'd love to have you join us. You can learn more at CompTIA.org. We'd also invite you to click subscribe on this podcast so you're always notified when a new episode is available. Today's podcast on digital transformation and getting our shift together is brought to you by our IT security community. Uh, and because of that, I would like to welcome in Miles Jobjen, the manager of that community, as well as our MSP community. Welcome, Miles. Hi, Gary. Thanks for doing this again. This is, um, I've, I've loved how this has worked so far with the, the BizTech podcast. This has really been a, a, an, a joy for me anyway, to kind of share the all the different community managers and, and rolling out these different, um, you know, podcasts. It's been cool. Yeah, it has been cool. And I've enjoyed it as well. And, and you and I have gotten to have <clears throat> a little bit of fun banter back and forth on a couple of topics. Uh, as we sit here recording this, first of all, we're in the middle of Cybersecurity Month, which is the month of October, which is really cool. Um, October is also known for Major League Baseball playoffs, which both of our teams mm -hmm managed to squeak into your Chicago White Sox and my Houston Astros. Your, your White Sox, uh, you know, didn't last too long. Unfortunately, my Astros, as we speak, are hanging on by a thread, but have, I think, overachieved a little bit. Are you over the, the blow yet? Yeah, you know, it was, this was a little bit of a year early for us. I mean, and that was clear. You know, we came out with the big bang game one, you know, our ace pitcher, everything fired right. And then game two, oh, the guy didn't have a great game. And then, oh, crap, we ran out of pitchers. So <laughs> that was certainly, uh, you know, uh, some reality setting in, um, you know. But we're excited as, as a fan base. You know, I think that there's a, there's a bright future ahead. Um, of course, there's insane discussion now of Tony La Russa, So we'll, we'll see how that happens. <laughs> if, if, yeah. if my words uh, come back to bite me. Uh, but that's an interesting name that I've heard for us. Yeah. Well, tying into the pandemic theme, um, as, as the Astros squeaked into the playoffs with a losing record, a pretty substantial losing record, um, I did the math and, you know, they you know, ended up sweeping those first couple series with the, the Twins and the, and the um, A's. But if they hadn't done that, if those series had gone another way and they'd lost some games, it seems like... Um, I mean, they'd have been really close. I guess they had to have won each series, so maybe not. But would it have been cool and fitting in 2020 if we'd have had a team with a losing record win the World Series? <laughs> they almost mathematically could have pulled that off. Now they can't. But, um, yeah, that would have been just fitting, fitting for 2020 for sure. So, all right, well, enough about baseball. As I said in the intro, 
we find ourselves in an interesting place with this almost kind of forced digital transformation with some very interesting implications for security as well, based on this conversation that you're having. So Miles, why don't you help us get our shift together, introduce us to Joshua and kick off this very timely and interesting conversation. All right, thanks Gary, that's great. I appreciate you kicking us off. I'm here with Joshua Liberman. He's the founder and president of Net Sciences. He's been around CompTIA for a long time. Um, I'm not gonna put a date on it, I don't wanna age the man, but uh, he's been a, a, a great participant in the executive council as well with our IT security community these last few years. And uh, Josh and I, are, we'd like to kind of dig into a little bit of, of challenges that, that MSPs and particularly uh, uh, with a little bit of a focus on security, but the challenge that we're having of what's been called the digital transformation, right? So for years, we've been trying to get our, our, our customers, our clients to, to wake up and see the value of, of technology and, and maybe of how we can best position that for them to see that. But years, this has been going on, right? We're trying to, to innovate companies and get them to use technology to be better. And, and maybe we've got a great opportunity here. So uh, Josh, welcome, welcome to the BizTech Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Miles. I appreciate that. Uh, we we approach it. Sorry, we approach the whole concept of digital transformation a little differently. I've never used that phrase till today. Of course, I sure. see it all over. I think of it a little bit differently. I'm going to give you our phrase, the GYST, or just it's okay. getting, getting your shift together. There's an F in there, but uh, I mean these are shifts we've been trying to proliferated our sites for a decade or more. Anyway, we've been talking about moving services offsite. I'm not going to say cloud entirely, but we get services offsite. Office 365, of course, is one of them. Uh, backup and replication and disaster recovery, again, one of the critical things we do for literally everyone we support. But there are other smaller things, whether it's uh, electronic signature capabilities or proxied RDS into their site, or even voice over IP phones. This is the kind of thing that we've been talking about for years. We've been trying to knock the door open with some success at some sites. And then uh, COVID took the door off the hinges. I mean, the same people who wouldn't answer the knock literally are walking through the door now. So I'm calling um, okay, instead, yeah. <laughs> figuratively are walking through the door. But it has been a big shift. Everybody went through the whole February, March, April, depending on your state, shift to remote working. And we got that shift together pretty quick and that worked out well, but that was only a small part of it. And of course, I'm not talking about security yet. We'll come back to it, sure. but that's what, how we see it. We see it as taking the, this chance or taking this uh, challenge as an opportunity to actually make the changes happen that these businesses need to do anyway. They really do, and they really benefit from it. So, right, and, and like you said, so this has been a challenge, I, I presume, you know, just, just in hearing, you know, you talked to, you, you've been talking to these people, look, we have to have these things in place, so for your flexibility and for your reporting, and so you can measure what you want to do, is that, but now you're saying, okay, now they're coming to us a little bit more. Yeah, they're, they're, it has changed from a push to a pull, um, probably about half and half. Only half of our sites really did much with remote working. And, and half didn't, and I really didn't understand that, but I discovered over time that a lot of our sites, they just never really changed. Huh. Coming in the office, lockdown or no lockdown, 
largely because they were considered critical industries. You know, they were they didn't have to be locked down, so they didn't. But they could have been, and they could have done things, I think, more safely and even more effectively. But there's a lot of folks that have run their business one way, 20, 30, 40 years. And it wasn't even easy for me to adapt to all remote work. And I'm still a marble bouncing around in a 4,780 square foot empty building, except for me. And that's weird. Now we are gonna start in a phased manner coming back in in alternate weeks, but it was a change. And a lot of folks didn't do that, but even those people still made greater use to some extent. For example, business owners, they started doing things like staying home with their family. Their office was there, but they were home. So they had to become more serious about remote access and security. And one of the funniest things that ever happened is one of the biggest sites we've pitched VoIP phones to for five years. They called at one point and were talking to one of my techs and he transferred it to another tech and they transferred it to me. And I made the comment that we we're not, well, we're not in the office, but I happened to be in the building because I was still coming in. And he said, well, how did you do that? I was just talking to, I said, it's called voice over IP. Everybody has a phone in their home and it registers with our network effectively. And it looks like they're here and they can transfer calls and conference. They can dial out and it looks like you're, and he goes, you could do that? I said, yes, that's something we probably discussed <laughs> five times, but I have clearly not been effective in communicating that to you. So I, I think you, you hit it right. That nail on the head is how, how do you, so obviously maybe now the conversation is easier, but how do you, how do you have that conversation to get them to, to, to recognize that opportunity, to see the value in, in maybe a little bit of that investment into that technology that's going to make their life easier, going to make their business better. Um, you know, like you said, yeah, you've been talking to that guy for, for years about this and, and, he, and he wasn't hearing it. So, um, you know, so how do we, uh, what, what's that nut to crack? You know, if you know me well enough, you know I'm kind of Mr. Metaphor and I tend to always reach for metaphor, allegory, illusion, uh, simile, et cetera, I'll stop uh -huh. now. But what I tell these folks is that a lot of times you don't see the value in this until you have the actual experience. For example, in his case, no matter how many times I expressed to him the value of having remote work capabilities, and they're a company that does have a second shift that's limited, but they do have people work a second shift and he's been keeping them in the building all those years, but they don't need to, you know, for what, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stray from metaphor for a second and come right back to it. A lot of our businesses have become their own cloud in the sense that they have premise equipment and we have a bandwidth challenge place. So it's kind of hard to move people without, without fiber capabilities to the cloud. But what we have done is when they are remote, they're, they're hitting their premise stuff. Their RDS, they're doing a proxied RDS session to a desktop and that's interacting with their premise equipment, but they've also got, you know, 0365 or the whole suite and they're in the cloud and they're starting to use Teams and they've actually turned their locations, at least in the short term, into a small private cloud that they already own. And it's, it's kind of an inverse cloud. I don't know how to express this, but it's worked that way for a lot of them. Now, I understand that the big thing is for all the services to be in the cloud, and that works very well for sites that can move their processes there. But almost three quarters of our sites have vertical apps that we can't get cloud hosted and must have a line of business server. 
And most of those LOB servers want some sort of DC back there too. So there's always challenges. And I know that MSPs around the country who are better at this than I am, have learned how to work around through or over those obstacles. But the one we can't get past is called Comcast. So people who live on Comcast circuits, which is 80% of our clientele or more, have to deal with the fact that that circuit goes up and down every other day. Uh, it's usually for a few minutes, sometimes in the middle of the day, sometimes at night. Uh, this morning we had two sites down for five hours. It's just how it works. So all these things roll together to bring this back around. If we have failover servers and, and dynamic DNS and the capability for them to get in, not only do they have this leap forward where they have their own, there are their own little private cloud, but they can also do things that they, well, they learn about voice over IP phones. They learn about Teams. I didn't have a site using Teams eight months ago. Now I have four sites not using Teams. And one of them has, is investigating Slack, but uh, they've just discovered that it's not part of the Microsoft stack that they already pay for. So they'll probably end up with Teams, we'll see. That, that was another transformation, and I'm not going to call it a digital transformation, but I'll say that getting their shift together was the, the shift yep. to partial remote work really helped focus them on the message we've been laying down this whole time. And I keep threatening to talk about security. We'll finish up that way. For sure. So, so and actually kind of related to security. So as you're rolling these things out, right, so there's going to be some change management involved. There's going to be you know, how do you make sure that the people are, are um, aware of the security features or whatever, you know, the, the different things in place that, you know, the rules they have to play in and making sure that they understand how to use Teams, for example, you could roll out Teams, but if there's no kind of introduction to it and things like that, that's going to uh, impact its effectiveness and all of that. So kind of what role in related to security as well, but does kind of that, that change management and, and, and helping that business adopt these new technologies, how, can that play a role? Well, so what's been interesting about Teams for us is that two or three of our least seemingly, least competent technically sites, folks that you know point to the screen and call it the system or open a ticket, the network's down because they've mistyped a URL, those kind of folks, they, they taught themselves Teams. And oh, wow. I realized that it's not about what their capabilities are, it's about motivation. They were motivated, they wanted to learn to use it and, and by the way, we would have given them an hour, give everybody on a contract an hour's introduction, but they didn't read that email. They didn't see that part of the website. They didn't see that on Facebook. So they didn't know that. So they went out and they did it themselves. And most of them did a very creditable job. And most of them were the people we thought, literally, you couldn't tell them to unplug a modem over the phone. So it was surprising me on that level. As far as how this all rolls into security, so here's where things get interesting, and I won't dwell on this because everybody understands we've obliterated the perimeter is what we've done. I mean, we, we had already done that to a great extent with a small degree of remote work with Wi-Fi, work from anywhere, 4G, tablets, portables, and other things. That had already really fuzzed the perimeter. But at this point, in some sense anyway, that perimeter is gone. I mean, it, it's, it's gone. It's really, if you learn classical physics, you remember the picture of an atom with a nucleus and protons and neutrons, and then there's electrons that are making nice little neat orbits at various distances from that nucleus. And in reality, it's nothing like that. If you learn your quantum mechanics, you start learning about energy states and about fuzzy orbits or, I mean, it's nothing like the drawing, 
well, security in the perimeter has really become quantum mechanical. It is no longer what you could call uh, deterministic. It isn't just a firewall on the edge. It is now this probabilistic cloud of problems that you have to deal with. So we've, I've tried to take them on by turning that around. And instead of doing what I always did, which was identify a perimeter, identify an endpoint, identify a user, identify uh, a piece of software and harden each, if possible, the users being the hardest. Now we look at it a little more holistically, a little more like Zen in the art of IT. And we, talk, we look at methods and we look at how do problems develop, not necessarily the path or the attack point, the endpoint or end user, but the methodology and how do we outsmart that? And you know, what does a phishing attack that ends up as a business email compromise, what path does it take? And we try to harden the pathway. Again, this is kind of quantum mechanical where, if, again, I'm gonna guess that some of us out there, we know what, what it means when we talk about the uncertainty principle. That basically means that you can either know exactly where some particle is or exactly what its momentum is, direction, velocity. You can know them in, in opposite degrees. If you know exactly where it is, you have no idea where it's going. And if you know exactly the path it's on, you have no idea where on the path it is. Security is like that for us. We have to identify the paths and protect the whole cloud, not the IT cloud, but the probabilistic cloud, the whole path that an attack can take. I know that that's kind of hard to nail down into procedures. Uh, maybe you could see my next channel pro article, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find a way and we are somewhat successful at doing that. So what I discovered pretty quickly was that it's going to be near to impossible to armor our new rogue endpoints. We have <laughs> the first remote connection we set up was for the CEO of our largest customer. And he, we found out that he has a, we've been working for him 14 years. He has a 14 year old machine we built for him at, at work. It was upgraded by one of his IT guys from XP to Windows 7. It was upgraded by the next IT guy from Windows 7 to Windows 10. And he's now 15 years old. We turned 15 this month. And he is working on that. Nobody has been in his home to do anything or see it in 14 years. And he's running 802.11b Wi-Fi on a 14-year-old Wi-Fi router. So there's all kinds of problems I don't need to go into for other ideas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was our first remote, what I like to call Tango. And it's, it's <laughs> spooky. You know, obviously a lot of machines are better. And we have, a, we've promulgated slowly policies about managing these remote endpoints. But there's a lot we're just not going to be able to manage. If nothing else, anybody here should know that if you take on a 10-year-old box and you throw, I don't know, Silence and an EDR and MDR client on it, and anything goes wrong in the next five years, because they're going to keep running it, it doesn't matter if the hard drive dies <laughs> or they drop the panel, it's because of the work you did. So we don't want to inherit these problems and we really can't armor the home networks and endpoints. But what we can do is armor the, the pathway and armor the targets. So we went from silence and what I would call basic EDR or EDR light, we went to full-blown SOC monitored EDR with the ability to lock that traffic down if there's any kind of issue that, that breaks out on a, on a target endpoint inside the network. We went to hosted RDS remote access. So um, um, you can cut names out, but in our case, we, we used TrueGrid, 
uh, we use Silence for the EDR, Infosite for another aspect of that. And we just did the best we could to armor this. We improved GPOs. We did a little more work segmenting networks, make sure that nobody had circumvented that. We had recently turned on new device alerting. We tightened up the targets. We tightened up the pathways and slowly we're tightening up the origination points or the tangos in the field. We're getting some people to buy new machines, maybe not that one guy, but we're getting some people to buy new machines. And once they're bought, we put them on our management plan. I developed a lightweight plan that doesn't include help desk, that cost less, but has eight automated security services, and it's great. We do still have SLVPN users, but only if they're on a managed machine that's fully secured. SLVPN, as powerful as it is, is harder for us to protect than a proxy solution. And I know I can think of a member on the panel that we're on together that will argue with me about this, and we can definitely have a good long debate about that someday. But in my opinion, it's harder to protect this cell VPN connector. So that was what we did. We changed the paradigm around a little bit uh, and we got their shift together because we had to accept the fact that we can't armor every endpoint. We don't even know every endpoint anymore. And that's a weird thing. Net Sciences didn't have an, un an unknown endpoint in January of this year. Now we probably have 50, maybe 100. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we know they're out there. And another nice thing about proxy RDS is that we do get reports of who connects from where. Origination IP and when they connect and what they connect to. And we have all, all the capabilities you have with GPOs to manage the RDS connection, apply. And I'm working with those guys to develop an alerting system, geofencing. So at some point in the near future, we'll have alerts for multiple failed logins. And I hope by the end of the year, we'll have geofencing so that we can specify where they can connect from and maybe something more sophisticated. So we're working that way. But again, it's it's not the deterministic world we had a year or 10 months ago. Uh, it's now a quantum mechanical world where we're protecting clouds, just a different meaning of cloud. So there you go. That was a long metaphor. I'm sorry. No, that was that was fascinating. I think, you know, as I was listening, I was just trying to pull out of the, uh, you know, a couple of key things that, you know, someone could could run with right away. And it seems like, you know, you, you got to understand you have to, you know, first off, conceive of how what your strategy for your security is. Um, you know, as you're saying, you know, you, you kind of turned it on its head and said, all right, this isn't working. It's too out of control. How else can we look at that? I think that's really important is to just having that awareness of you know what you do have your hands on and, and what's slipping and and where can you plug that up um i think that's great uh communication you know with with your with your staff and your clients on what's going on and 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 when these things are rolling out and stuff like that that's huge of course understanding what kind of machinery and, <laughs> and capabilities are out there right that you might have to encounter i love the idea of look if I'm going to be offering this service to you, I need to be able to manage it and keep it up to date and keep it high quality because if you're running a 14 year old machine, things aren't gonna work right. So again, you know, explaining that. And, and so there's so many roles that the MSP has to play, right? The educator, the salesperson, the, the strategist, the, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it can be a lot for a person. And I guess- A drill you know, sergeant. Someone who's done it for a while, I'm sorry? Do you find it best to lean into your strengths or do you find it best to kind of maybe uh, diversify yourself? 
I find it best to stay humorous about the whole thing. I mean, it's easy to get carried away because uh, now ultimately, I think over the next year or two, I hope that we'll be able to bring things closer to where they used to be, and it will be more of a deterministic world, and we will start managing all of our endpoints. But in addition to needing to move people to remote work very quickly, we had to realize that we're not going to approach companies and say, hey, we need a quick 10K spend or 30 or right. 60. It, I had a couple of companies that actually did that. They would just bought notebooks for everybody that needed it. And we just threw them on management. They did everything right immediately. They were in unaffected industries with big order backlogs and they were seven figure firms. They were able to adapt. Actually, they didn't feel that threatened, but that was the exception. Right. Most of these companies were threatened. They still are threatened. And what they needed from us was help without the cost. And we could almost meet exactly that. But that's a short-term solution. Everything I talked about, I'll stay with proxied RDS. I'll leave those endpoints armored. And I've got to say, we worked with Solution Greenwich to do this. And it was less than a half a buck an endpoint to add these capabilities. I didn't charge anybody for that. We just did it. I didn't charge anybody for the proxied RDS. As long as they were a full-time managed service client, our, our co-managed sites paid for it, but the full-time managed service sites, we just threw it in. We could absorb that. It wasn't that costly. Uh, it was just, it, it didn't, it got, got us out of the point of having to have that uncomfortable conversation. Right. Now year end, our goal is to remind everybody what we're doing and all the extra stuff we did and talk about what the next steps are. And in 2022, presuming that people are still working remotely or still working, uh, we plan to further expand what we do and raise prices. But we raised prices January 1st, 2020. And I decided that it was gonna cover this. Uh, I didn't see this coming, but we were fairly prepared. So, yeah. That's, that's great. You gotta have that plan, right? That's awesome. So things are going well in, in Albuquerque for the most part, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our, our little business is doing well. We are up 20% this year, which just shocks me. Uh, a couple of big projects helped and a couple of more may come down the line. Wonderful. We have folks that are suffering and we have folks that are thriving and the balance has been a little bit towards the latter. But like everybody else, we don't know what next year looks like. For so sure. Sure. all I'm gonna do is uh, keep calm and soldier on, you know? That's excellent, excellent. Josh, thanks for, for, for chatting with me today. Um, I think there's a lot of great stuff in here. Um, our listeners are going to be, you know, maybe frantically writing notes down and things like that. So um, again, thank you. We'll, uh, you know, just my uh, final last couple of things. Um, please do, if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, BizTech right here, you can click the button. Um, the IT security community is always looking for people to get involved. Um, we have forums and, and LinkedIn pages and things you want to get involved. We've got our elections happening and we'll have a, more people involved. It's going to be great. So there's an election? A, yeah, go ahead, Josh. There's an election coming up? There is. Well, maybe by the time this plays, actually, it'll be over. But we'll see what happens. So. Okay. But uh, at any rate, we've got lots of great stuff. Um, take a look at the security community. Thank you for listening today and uh, have a great day. And get your shift together. And get your shift together. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Miles. That's awesome. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech Podcast. 
For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast. 